This is Two Girls Talking, episode 25. I'm Katie Kiley, afternoon drive DJ at 97.1 The River, Atlanta's classic hits. And I'm here with my good buddy, Melissa Ruggieri, the music critic for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and she also does the music scene blog on AJC.com. We are two girls talking, although I'm having a hard time talking today. <laughs> While you were in Las Vegas, I was in wine country in Oregon. We went to Willamette Valley. and um, That's what happens when you drink too much wine. You yeah, lose the, your well, voice. you know what? It's between that and the flight or wherever I picked up this cold. So I'm feeling like hell, but I had a great time. And you did something else that we thought we should talk about today. Yeah, you know, I mean, we go out to Vegas four or five times a year. So going to Vegas is not really, you know, anything special necessarily. But it is cool when I get to experience a new show or we actually went to the line. Lion Habitat also <laughs> out there. That's nice. a story for another day. Yeah. But it's really cool. It's been there for like 30 years. It's where the lions that used to be at MGM. It's a really cool thing to check out while you're there. But in addition to those wild animals, the Aerosmith boys. <laughs> yes, they're doing a residency. Yeah. Actually, only like a month off, right? They're doing it spring to summer. And When we were there on the 11th, that was actually just the third show of the residency. It just kicked off the weekend before. So they're there the rest of this month. And then they are there June, July, September, October, November, and December for probably like six or seven shows each time. So they're not there the whole month. Oh, see, I thought they were doing like days on end kind no. of, but it's okay. No, and they are taking a few days off, mostly every couple shows. They'll, they might do one back to back, but then they have a day off. Even if you've seen Aerosmith, I've seen them, I don't know, 15 times probably over the years. I know, you know, you've seen I've them many seen times. Them, yep. And we just saw them in February, right before the Super Bowl, when they came as for one of the pre-game concerts at State Farm Arena. You know, you've only seen Aerosmith lately or in the last 20 years in an arena. That's right. <laughs> or maybe even a stadium. <laughs> you know, To see them at Park MGM, which their new venue there, it's about two, three years old now. It holds about 5,200 people. You're talking half at most <laughs> the size of what you would see them in, you know, in an arena. And the intimacy is what's so cool. And I think, I mean, I've gone to a lot of these shows in Vegas. I think they're the first real rock act or at least rock band to have a residency. I mean, Elton John certainly did one for many years over at Caesars, but it's been a lot of pop people, you you know, Celine Dion, of course, Jennifer Lopez, Gwen Stefani, Lady Gaga has a, a current one now as well. It's just right, really nice to see a rock band that's yes. doing this. And the theater is very cool in that it's chameleonic in that it, it, they'll change it for whomever is there. So when Lady Gaga is there, it's a completely different stage set up than when Aerosmith is there. So it's their thing. And they outfitted the whole state, um, the whole venue with THX sound. So, you know, that sound you hear when you go to the movie theater and it's that wah. Yes. <laughs> they do the ad like <laughs> for THX. That's what it sounds like in there. And prior to the show, it's an 8 o'clock ticket, but for a rock band to go on at 8 o'clock in Vegas does seem a little wrong. <laughs> it's just a little too early. A little early, early yeah. A little early. So they actually don't go on until 8.30. But from 8 to 8.30, and there's a countdown clock, they have this really cool, it's a documentary, but it's not like your typical here are interviews with a band sitting down talking to the camera. It's all these really groovy writing on the screen and pictures and old video footage, just the way it's compiled, but you hear them talking. So it's their audio talking about the origins of the band, Stephen growing up in Yonkers, you know, when he met Joe when they met the other guys and then each guy kind of has his own little focus for a couple of minutes of what they bring to the band and, and all great. that. I like that it idea. It is because you want to get there on time. You want to maybe hit the t-shirt stand because of course there is one <laughs> with special merchandise for Las Vegas. They had the Aerosmith van in the lobby that you could take a picture with. The line for that was like, I was like, really? You really want a picture with a van that bad? <laughs> go around to the other side and take it from there. Seriously. I'm like, yeah. I'd rather go to the bathroom right now because <laughs> everybody else is in line to take a picture with a van. But if that's your thing, you could do it for free. But for that half an hour, why not just sit in the theater and be immersed really because the visuals are so cool. The sound is amazing. And at, you know, 830 
Jeopardy on the dot. Out they came. <laughs> oh, wow. I think Stephen was actually wearing the same pants he wore when he was here in Atlanta, which he hadn't worn the other shows because I saw some pictures from those. But I just, as soon those as he walked out. Those great cartoon pants. Oh, my God. Cartoon, they were amazing. Like, they look like pajama pants yes. almost. Yep. That's, that's what he had on. Vegas residencies are tricky in that, you know, you're appealing to fans of the artist, but you also have to keep in mind the mass appeal effect. Because, you know, when it's your concert and you're going to every city, it's a different type of fan that's coming to see you. Whereas in Vegas, you're getting a lot of people who have comps. Although from what I hear from my host out there, there aren't a lot there of comps lot because, this, yeah. you know, the tickets have popular. sold so so well. You have people who are coming who might not necessarily even know your music that well. You know, it's like you've got a lot of people who know Walk This Way and Dream On and I don't want to miss a thing. But do they really know, you know, Hangman Jury? <laughs> Something. And they do some of that, which is really cool. So regardless of your level of fandom, sure, maybe you might be a little bit bored when they're doing, you know, Seasons of Wither or, you know, song from one of those 1970s albums I love that, it. that wasn't a huge hit but for people like us <laughs> you go oh it's my god great. they're going deep they're, yeah. de- they're going deep so they they try and play it out a little bit that there's a little bit of everything for everyone and of course you know as soon as they start i don't want to miss a thing everybody starts cheering and that's when you and i would go get a beer but <laughs> uh you know they have a, a string quartet that comes out for that so i mean you know they, they have these nice little touches i will say if you are planning on going be prepared to spend some money, you know, you can get a ticket. Most of the tickets are sold out through the summer shows. Looking into September, October, there's a decent amount of availability. You can get a seat in like, you know, the last row for 65 bucks is really the cheapest. Seats that are right in the front, right next to the pit, because there's a cool catwalk that's shaped like a V. So if you're in the standing pit in those pockets, those tickets are $2,500. Wow. <laughs> Just to stand. You get to stand for $2,500. And then, you know, lots of other tickets are in the 875 range. If you want to sit on stage, they actually have seating on stage. Those tickets are six, eight hundred dollars to be. See, that there. would be fun. I think it'd be fun to sit on stage. It would be fun to sit on stage. And also, I noticed throughout the show, Stephen in particular made sure he paid attention to those people who he knew spent a lot of money to be there. And Joe went over several times and would play directly, looking at them and facing them. You know, he might turn his back to us. But the thing that really struck me about the show was it's not just the same old Aerosmith. You know, I mean, they really have sort of rebirthed themselves for this particular thing. The sound and the lighting show is absolutely spectacular. Toys in the Attic has all these cool inflatables that come down from the ceiling and sort of hover over the audience while they're playing. You know, they've got some pyro, they've got some of the usual rock trappings or whatever, but none of it seemed over the top. You know, like I never felt like I was at a Kiss show. (laughs) And and the focus is still always on the music, especially during that portion where Steven and Joe will come down to the end of the catwalk. It's just the two of them. Joe's doing his blues thing. They were doing Hangman Jury, actually. Steven's, you know, singing along next to him holding his mic stand and you know the rest of the band gets a little bit of a break and then they go right back into the hits so oh wow it is a cool thing and and these residencies are really interesting in that it seems to be like a, a trend i mean celine dion really did start something with the, all those years that she's been at caesars and you know she's wrapping up there in june but pat benatar and neil Giraldo just announced that they're doing a couple dates at win in august which is going to be part of their 40th anniversary tour and journey just announced a residency at the coliseum in caesars in but october to be a resident means you're staying there for a while. Right. I went back and looked. The Pat Banter one, they actually aren't calling it a residency. They, oh, okay. they are calling it a special engagement. There you <laughs> so go. I'm okay with that because I know I said to you, I'm like, I see these these things phrased as residencies, but they're like four shows. That's, that's yeah. just like a multi-night no, to me, stand. it's like you're staying for weeks. Right. Yeah. And James Taylor also currently and through uh, early May, like mid-May, uh, he's at the Coliseum at Caesars too. And right, he's doing, I don't know, 15 shows, 12 shows, something like that, all in that same place. So that's a legit it's a very residency. very smart idea. 
It is a smart yeah. idea, and you don't have to go anywhere if you're the artist. I saw Tom Jones there, let me think how many years ago this must have been, 25 years mm-hmm. ago. The sound was so exquisite mm-hmm. in the theater. And it was at the MGM, so I'm not sure what theater it might have okay. been at the time. But it was so good. And I remember thinking, this is what people are talking when they're talking about sound quality. Right. Because as a rock and roller, I couldn't tell the difference between, you know, as long as I could hear it and understand it. <laughs> so if the like, guitar was loud, you were good. <laughs> but seeing, you know, a loud, bombastic show like Tom mm-hmm. Jones, I mean, he's like wailing up there. It was perfection. It was such a treat. And then I've seen Love there. Yes. That Beatles music is just so crisp and so... Surround is, sound yes. also. Yeah. It's insane yeah. to be at a theater in Las Vegas. And you should do it for some kind of a show anyway at some point. But why not? Aerosmith, my goodness. Yeah, or that Beatles show, Love, the Cirque du Soleil show, because it's a music, since it's a music intensive show. I mean, yes. all the Cirque shows are great and they all have cool visuals and cool sound effects and everything. But if it's a specific music show, and the Michael Jackson show too, I mean, if yep. you, the speakers are in the, the seats, you know, I mean, the headset like, of your, your seat. Head, right, yeah, by your ears. And you're like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, whoa, yeah. that is insane. When at the beginning of Love, like when the lights are still down and coming up, and it's that mix of because the, yep. the stripped audio of just their voice. Voices, and you hear like a bird sort of chirping in the background and you do you sort of look around like, wait, is there a bird near? <laughs> is it right behind me? Is it right behind me? Where's Paul? It sounds like Paul's <laughs> in my ear. <laughs> yeah. And and that's what's really cool that a lot of artists want to do these. You know, you talk about someone like Tom Jones or Wayne Newton or whatever. I mean, that's what Vegas used to really be known for were the old timers who would go there when their career was on the downside. Whereas since Celine, it's become a trend for you to go there now when you're hot. I mean, Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga, Gwen Stefani, Jennifer. For Lopez, you know, the Backstreet Boys made a huge comeback with one that's. I've got to say, even when we too. saw Tom, it was when he had done Prince's Kiss. It oh, was yeah. when he was kind of like on a little yeah. upside. His son yeah. was producing his stuff, and it was a pretty big deal. Yes. So it wasn't like the old crooning stuff. But yes, so it's been going on for quite a while. Yeah, it is. And but now to realize that it's gone completely rock and roll is very cool. Exactly. And, you know, the casinos, the, the, the big companies, the MGMs and the Caesars, you know, they know how to get these guys under contract to keep them there for a few months out of the year. And why it, wouldn't you? Why I was going to say, it's like, if you're Steven Tyler, I'm sure your contract has something about you get the penthouse (laughs) apartment or the penthouse in the casino for the two weeks that you're there every month or whatever. And is that really so rough? (laughs) You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to fly anywhere unless you want to go home or, you know, whatever. That's why, you know, Celine Dion bought a house there. And, you know, that's where she lives currently. And even when she's going to wrap up and go on tour, she's still she said she's still going to keep her house in Vegas because it became home to her. Elton was there. You know, he always had, you know, some giant suite at Caesars for whatever time that, that he was going to be performing there. It's cool that it's a way for the audience to come to you. So you are really getting an international audience because that's who comes to Vegas without having to make the 500-hour flight yourselves right. and be in a different venue every night and everything. And you have the control over it, too. There were some technical issues the night I saw the show, and it was only the third night. So, you know, I, I grant them that. That's fine. But you know darn well that Steven Tyler went back and yelled at somebody that night because the piano didn't show up for Dream On or the sound wasn't working properly during the song and that is not going to happen again. Because they're going back to the same place the next night you know that that's going to get fixed. Yes. Whereas if you were going from, you know, Boise to Paducah, <laughs> you know, you're going from hockey arena to hockey arena, you don't know what you're going to get right, there. Right. So they can control and change, you know, oh we didn't really like the lights on this so let's tomorrow night let's change it to that. Or when we come back in June, let's mix up the set list, you know a little yep. bit and change the lighting cues to whatever you know so 
it's their own baby that they get to really take care of, which is which is cool. Well, and you and I have a, a love for Vegas. I mean, Vegas has changed so yeah. much over the years, and it really is a fun place to go. There's something for everybody to do. And gosh, I remember when we went to see Hoover Dam on my birthday one year, we took a helicopter and went through the Grand Canyon. And mm-hmm. the hel- I don't even know if you can do that anymore. but You can, and you'd have to be brave. <laughs> yeah, but it was one of those things where I'm sure. like, when will you ever have this opportunity to do something like this? And, and then the Strip is so much fun. So there are a lot more things to do for families or for mm-hmm. now than there were when I was growing up and going to stay at the Flamingo and learning right. how to gamble, right? <laughs> but I, we also happen to love to gamble. So it's yes. the perfect place for us. It is really the perfect place for us. And as many of the casinos cater more to families than others, which is fine. I don't want to be around families when I'm there. You know what I mean? It's one of the reasons I like Vegas. If, oh, if yeah. I want to be around kids, I'll go to Disney World. Yeah. I, so I know which casinos those are that are particularly geared toward family activities and other stuff to do and I don't stay there. And that, you know, and I, that's totally fine. Just like I don't think a family would want to stay in some of the places where I stay because right. there wouldn't be anything for the kids to do. Right. So so there is that that mix of, you, you know, and we both know plenty of people who aren't necessarily gamblers like we are, but you know, and they have gone to Vegas and had a great time without ever putting a dime into a machine because you don't have to do that between... Well, we'd make them put a well, dime we, in. But... <laughs> and maybe maybe not even a dime, maybe more like a 10. My but... friend came back when I said, just put a 20 in for me or right. whatever. And she came back and she goes, I lost your money. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, right. You never did yeah. that. I know. They'll just tell you that. But there's just so much other stuff to do that you don't necessarily have to gamble if you don't want to. And, and these concerts are a big part of it. And it's great that you know far enough in advance when they're going to be there. So you might go out to Vegas this fall, you already know that Aerosmith is going to be there in October and November, so you could plan your trip around those dates. Well, I can vouch for the fact that you can get tickets last minute because we <laughs> did that with Springsteen on Broadway. We paid for them. Well, that's the thing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so if you are a big Aerosmith fan and you are planning to go out beforehand, you might be able to get, you know, the sooner the better to right. get your tickets. How sold out are they? They're sold out pretty solidly through September, and then there there is a bit of availability for September, October, November, December, because those were announced more recently, so they went on sale more recently. Okay. So if you're going out in the fall, and because Park MGM is owned by MGM, MGM owns other casinos around the country. So even if you aren't going to Vegas to see them, they are actually bringing that show to the National Harbor Casino in Maryland, the Maryland D.C. area, the Borgata in Atlantic City, and the new one that they just opened in Springfield, Mass. Okay, <laughs> that's what they're doing in August then, is they're going doing yep. a few to casino dates on the East Coast. Exactly. And because they're all the same casino company that they're part of, shares doing the same thing because she has a residency at Park MGM as well. And, you know, once a year she goes out and does the Borgata and National Harbor and some of the other MGM properties around the country. So and then you can go to Vegas and they're there. But if you don't feel like going to Vegas, there are some other casinos, there are some other casinos. You're not going to get that same experience of the theater, though, because, you know, again, the, this is more like just a concert, but it's the same set list and the same, you know, lighting to an extent that they'll bring with them. But it still won't be quite the same as seeing them in Vegas. And they are so good live. Like Melissa and I had just talked about them not that long ago when they were here for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. But I've seen them so many times way over the years, like going back into the 70s. And it's so extraordinary that they're still doing what they're doing. And it drives me crazy when people are like, well, they're all down. They're not. I'm like, so what? What does that mean? You're old too. (laughs) Everyone is. Yeah. It's just one of those things where you go and you you kind of like the stones. It's such an experience to see them and it's well worth it. This isn't like. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're still putting in the time. Steven Tyler works really hard to make sure that those people who spent a lot of money get their money's worth. Yeah. I mean, he might not be doing back 
backflips anymore, but he's certainly running around the stage with his oh microphone stand and being a maniac and jumping on Joey Kramer's drum riser and, you know, Joe going Perry, and, same way. I was yeah, going to say, slinging his exciting. arm around Joe and Joe just, you know, ripping out those riffs and, you know, and he could still play. It's not just because they're older doesn't mean that they don't have the stamina anymore. Well, they also have the experience of it's, it's a little bit different than the Stones, but Aerosmith having the hits from you think about they had all these early hits. Right. Then they stopped for then a time. Then drugs. they come back with permanent vacation, <laughs> yes. which was like, dude, and all those great mm-hmm. songs. And then they hit the movie theaters yep. with Armageddon yes. song. Yeah. Boom. The audience for Aerosmith is right. so broad for those hits. Right. Because it's they really... had a, they had a longer radio period than even the Stones did. And, yep. and the MTV generation. You know, I mean, they were really an integral part of the MTV generation. I mean, when Walk This Way was re-released oh, with Run yeah. DMC, I mean, that that's really what reintroduced them to a whole new audience. And I kind of was one of them. I mean, I you know, I knew who they were because my sister's older than I am and she had their records. But when they were on MTV with Walk This Way, I was like, wait, isn't that that band that was around in the same? You know? So that was a whole new thing for, you know, the Gen X people that yes. were like, oh, who is this Aerosmith? Do you know my <laughs> cousin in Boston, my family's from Marblehead, mm-hmm. Mass, and so she had the 45 of Dream On, mm-hmm. but it was before it hit. So it cool. was played on radio in Boston, and so people in the, on the East Coast knew of Aerosmith from that. But I remember playing that over and over again and learning every word to it, and then thinking, you know, a couple of years later, it comes out on the radio, and I'm like, yeah. well, what, what was the deal with that song? It's very right. unusual what happened to them. Well, it's another one of those bands, just like with Billy Joel and with Springsteen, that it would never happen again today like it happened for them. Right. The, the patience that was taken in nurturing their careers and oh you had two flop albums all right well we'll give it a try one more time with the third you know now you're not a hit out the gate with nine billion youtube hits and you know social media followers or whatever it's like yeah you're useless to us goodbye that's why there's not a lot of people out there now that we're going to be seeing playing residencies in 30 years in vegas because they don't have the catalog they don't have the the longevity you know it really is so what aerosmith's been able to do is really been pretty stunning and to to and to do it and like you said to do it well to not just phone it in to to be so engaged and so into the music and you know you know Steven Tyler loves being on that stage yes he really truly does and he takes care of himself and he still sounds like Steven Tyler and Joe still you know is practicing every day and and the rest of the guys too I mean Brad Whitford is a great guitarist who never gets the credit I know I know and I think they're very happy who's got the coffee company oh that's a good question one of them has a coffee company Yeah? yeah I'm actually not sure it's Joey Joey Kramer it's called as I'm looking it up Rockin' and Roastin' Coffee. Check it out. But that's the thing. They, yeah. they have their own things, and they love letting whoever's shining shine. Exactly, exactly. And Brad gets the spotlight a few times during this show that, you know, he steps up for the solo, and Joe kind of takes the back seat a little bit, which is which is nice. And to see Tom Hamilton, I mean, you know, he's been through so many health issues, too, with, with cancer and everything. And, you know, he's still out there looking like a rock star. Can we even think of a band that has formed since that is the original band? Mm. This is like 50 years, so you think— right. That is the original band it is. all those years. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. I don't think anybody else is. No, not Kiss, not The Stones. No. Nope. Eh. You have to think about that a little bit, but I don't, not off the top of my head. I can't think of anybody. So. And then, of course, if we're together talking about Aerosmith. We can't forget to talk about Janie's house because you and I did something very interesting together where we didn't get the interview we were supposed <laughs> to get because we rode so far together and I had to be back to Atlanta on the air. Right. But yeah. tell this story about Janie's house outside of Atlanta. Yeah, and that's been two years, actually since that opened. So Steven Tyler, it's really his mission. When he was here in concert a few years ago with Aerosmith, he got hooked up with an organization that dealt with uh, abused young women. And it really just touched him so deeply that he wanted to do more than just sit and you know listen to their stories. He wanted to help. So And these are their girls yeah. and teenagers. Teenagers, 
years. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like, what, 9 to 15, or yeah. sort of the age range. So he opened a refuge house, I guess you could say, called Janie's House. And it is about, I don't know, what, 20, 30 miles outside of the city. And he just opened a second one recently in Memphis. And there are plans to open another one in Vegas sometime this year. And it's got 12, 15 beds. And it's just a place for these young women to go to beautiful get their lives place. back together. It really is a beautiful place. Just the pretty artwork and the, yeah. you know, artwork like painting on the walls, not like going, you know, out of their way to spend tons of oh, money right, on right, these right. things. It yes. was just lovely. Peaceful things, really, yes. you know, because these poor women are young women are just, you know, traumatized most of the time by whatever experiences they've had. And, you know, Stephen goes to the ribbon cuttings of these places. He was at the one in Memphis recently. And when you and I were there, he showed up that afternoon late, <laughs> which <laughs> is why we didn't get our interview. But, yeah. but I mean, but you could tell he was genuinely touched. That was the thing. The thing was we didn't mind driving all the way out right. there and driving all the way back because it was so touching yeah. to see him walk in and the girls like immediately, like girls do, burst into tears mm -hmm. because there's that attention on them. And then also they just love him. He was on American Idol. And right. They see him from this different perspective. Exactly. And he was so dear to them. I couldn't get over how loving he was. He really is a good-hearted yes. person. You know, he's an Italian guy, and so he's very touchy-feely, and he has a lot of emotions. I mean, he was like that on American Idol. Yes. You know, he was the one who was always tearing up and stuff. Talk about reaching a new audience. My mother fell in love with Stephen Tyler from American, American Idol. Yes. Idol. You yes. know, she's like, I never knew he was so sweet. You know? And I think he really is genuinely like that. I mean, even though we didn't get a chance to talk to him personally because we had to get going, we were still there when he spoke a bit, you know, about what this meant to him. And then when some of the girls went up to talk about what it meant to them and just him crying, you know, hearing their stories, you know how much it truly meant. And he said in interviews about these Janie's houses that that's kind of what gets him up in the morning, you know, to know that he can help somebody and that he can, you know, do good. It's not just about being a rock star anymore. It's about, you know, paying it forward, really. And and what a great, I mean, just what a sweet way to do it and not just writing a check is great because a lot of that's what a lot of people really do and that's wonderful. But to put yourself into something. But to put yeah. yourself into it, to oversee the construction of it. I mean, he was really active in this whole thing coming Wanted together. Wanted to know how it was working, right. the people behind it. It was very, very impressive. And yes. I, it gave me a whole new to him that gave me another admiration for him. I know, it's true. And um, during the Grammys, he often does, or the last couple of years, he has done a concert, a pri like a private concert for Janie's fund, you know, just uh, directly. And I've never been able to go because it's always like the same night as <laughs> the Grammys. And then when I'm out there, I have to go to the Grammys. So, right. I can, you know, so I mean, so he's doing other things outside of the places where the houses are to raise money and bring awareness to it and, and everything. So, yeah, I mean, they're just good guys, you know, and you and I have talked to Joe guys. over the years. And, and I've talked and, to Steven, and Steven yeah. Stephen is still, I, you know, I think our first podcast we talked about, Stephen is still my favorite interview that I've yeah. ever done. I mean, he's just an amazing guy to talk they're to. They're all really down to earth. It's yes. for real. But then they're rock stars. Right. They're rock gods. You watch them on stage and right. you're like, nobody could get away preening around like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's With kind of like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> when I see pictures of Marilyn Monroe and I'm like, if anybody like half closed their eyes like that and pr and opened their lips like that, people would look at you like, are you having a stroke? Right. Yet Marilyn Monroe does it becomes an icon. That's yes. like watching Earl Smith on stage. It's, it's true. iconic. It's crazy. It's wonderful. Some people just have it, you know? Yes, I mean, that's just part of it. It makes you feel young. It's just yeah. so precious and special. It does. And you know, you're right. Next year is 50 years for yeah. Aerosmith being together. And I wouldn't New be New Hampshire. I remember I, that date. Yes. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do, you know, if, if they're not going to extend their residency into next year that they they do a final tour or something because, you know, I can't
can't see them being on the road forever. None of them are young anymore, and Joe's had some health issues. And maybe they just do an anniversary know. tour. That would yeah, be, yeah, that's yeah. A lot of artists have learned not to call anything a farewell, yes. whatever, because they can always come back, and, and then people will call them hypocrites like us. Because <laughs> we've done well, that. well, I do have to. Every time you talk about Cher, I'm like, damn, I paid so much money for those tickets <laughs> exactly. like 20 years ago, right. when she said she'd never tour again. <laughs> right. So you know, she stopped calling anything a farewell, whatever. Um, yeah. Although Kiss, I think, is done. But Aerosmith, you know, it'd be great just to see them do one more thing. But in the meantime, you've got this amazing show in Vegas. Go see it, or if you are in the East Coast. And Melissa sees so many shows that it's like for either one of us, when we tell you go, go. <laughs> right. We really if mean you it. Like, if, yeah, if you're a fan of <laughs> yeah. their music. Not only that, Steven Tyler has one of the most funny, fun biographies. Yes. So that's when we were talking. We talked that's right. way back at the beginning of our right. podcast about rock and roll biographies, but his is one of my favorites. Yep. So. He's a great guy. He he really is. And I told Joe Perry because he's got so much going on, too. His kids play, and he's. I'm like, you should write a book. With a lot of these bands or artists who have done a memoir, you know, maybe 15, 20 years ago, sometimes when I interview them now, I'm like, you know, it's kind of time to do another one because so much in your life is different or has changed, and it's a whole a whole other 20 chapters that, yep. that you could be writing about it. So who knows? Maybe there'll be some documentation of the 50th anniversary of Aerosmith coming up too. But It'd in the meantime, good. go yeah. to Vegas. Go see the show. It's great. <laughs> Vegas is a great place to go. We both highly suggest it. Maybe one of these days we'll do a podcast on our gambling skills. Yes, skills. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how much skill is involved with mine. But... Oh my God, we love it. So have a great week. And you can always find us, Two Girls Talking on iTunes or email us at twogirlstalking11, the number 11 at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And it's the number two also. <laughs> Because there are other two girls doing things that I'm like, oh, my God. That's not us. No. <laughs> We're the number two. That, that sounds even worse. <laughs>